Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Jennifer Patterson with a Christian perspective on aging that sees it as a calling. We are called to glorify God throughout our lives. And uh, as we age in our older older days, um, we are called to um, continue to uh, pass on wisdom, to relate to God in a way uh, that anticipates that Sabbath rest. It is a time of great giving, great receiving, and full of purpose and meaning. And that's a perspective that our culture needs to recover. Jennifer Patterson, next. Jennifer Patterson says Americans are conflicted about aging. On one hand, there is a fixation on youthfulness. And yet on the other, there is great interest in how to live a long life. Yet, she says, there's a constructive Christian outlook which can help us think about and navigate issues related to aging. She's director of the Institute of Theology and Public Life at Reformed Theological Seminary and a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. She's written the world opinions piece, Growing Old, as a calling. Jennifer, what prompted you to write on this subject? Well, it's uh, applicable to all of us. We are all aging. We are all around people who are aging. And um, I have been thinking about it for several years since uh, I came across the work of a woman named Autumn Ridenour. And we'll get into the discussion of how she used some metaphors from scripture that really captivated me and helped me um, think about a more um, a way of looking at aging mm-hmm. in a purposeful way. Uh, sense of calling and that this is that we have purpose and meaning throughout all phases of our lives. I think we have not always explored as much how that applies uh, to the seasons at the end of life. And uh, this this work really helped me to do that. And I wanted to to pass along um, the, the peace and uh, uh, reflection that it has brought to me. I do want to shortly get to Autumn Ridenour's book, uh, Sabbath rest as vocation, but just just a few more preliminary questions. One is that you write, and, and maybe it's obvious as we look around, but we're conflicted about aging a, as a culture. Can you talk about that and some of that uh, emphasis, which seems to to conflict? We are a culture who uh, has we we generally prize youth. Uh, we prize uh, keeping our youthfulness. Think about all the marketing that is directed at us to try to stay as young as possible for as long as possible. Um, we have, uh, w- in comparison to other cultures in the world, uh, there is uh, perhaps less respect for aging mm. here. And we also have cultural dynamics, public policy dynamics that are um, encouraging us to have a distorted view of what gives life value and what gives life meaning. Um, and so we've seen uh, that the the rise of discussions about assisted suicide, for mm. example, um, when when life is 
uh, ostensibly no longer worth living, uh, the proposal that we ought to prematurely end our lives has been put forward in public policy. So I think from uh, from uh, just a cultural standpoint, a public policy standpoint, and that's just our basic existence. Uh, we have this longing for transcendence uh, and for life to go on. And yet we have a givenness to and a limit to our created life. Living within that tension, desiring something more, living within the givens of our temporal life, that tension is what we wrestle with every day and the messages of our culture create more pressure on us. I think we as Christians have some biblical wisdom that we can shed on this uh, question in life. I'm wondering too, and, and, and people that are somewhat familiar with, with the news, uh, they're, they're going to be familiar with these kind of things, but the whole idea of uh, the anti-aging movement, blue zones uh, versus of course, you can see it uh, still, uh, a fixation on, on youth. C can you talk about that a little bit? And um... Yeah, blue zones are these, it's a kind of a, a way that the cities and areas in the world where there's extraordinary longevity, that it's not unusual for a person to live to the age of 100. Hmm. And we're all curious in a sort of National Geographic way, yeah. what, what makes that possible? What's the, What are they eating? What are they doing? Uh, how do they exercise? Um, what are their family relations like? We, we want to know. We're really curious about that. We have this kind of aspiration to learn something from that example. Um, and, and then there are anti-aging uh, kinds of trends. Um, uh, we've heard examples of um, folks who can spend the money on it really working hard to uh, try to reverse the effects of aging. Um, those are those are things that um, those may sound extreme to us, um, but we're, we all have our coping mechanisms. We all are trying to wrestle with the, this anxiety that we have within us that we can't control um, the end of our days, that this is something that eludes us. And so uh, those coping mechanisms for for those of us who are of average means um, and average lifestyle usually end up being kind of ignoring the issue of aging, kind of dreading it, kind mm -hmm. of let me not think about that until it presents itself to me. Um, and th and I think we that that's where I think you know um, pushing it off and not uh, um, coming to terms with this reality of life is is not what's biblically best for us. I did want to ask, and of course, you made reference to those of us who are of average means versus those of us, or those among us who have extraordinary means. You mentioned billionaire Brian Johnson's two million dollar per year anti-aging experiment, and I must admit, I wasn't aware of that. What what uh, exactly? Is he doing? Uh, he, um, he is going to an extraordinary uh, length to. Um, uh, Change his eating, sleeping, the totality really of his life hmm. um, uh, through some very uh, aggressive means to try to uh, make his middle-aged body uh, a, a much have the strength and endurance and physical characteristics of a much younger body. Hmm. Um, and there's there are articles online to go further on that, but uh, it's it's really a focus on a, a physical. Uh, the physical aspects of life and um, 
that's, you know, that's one dimension of our existence, but it is certainly not the entirety of it. Well, my guest today on His People is Jennifer Patterson. She is director of the Institute of Theology and Public Life, and also that's at Reformed Theological Seminary, and also a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. We're talking about her current or, or just recently published World Opinions piece, Growing Old as a Calling, The Personal and Cultural Significance of Recovering a Christian Perspective on Aging. And you've uh, alluded to it a couple of times, Jennifer, but the, the Christian outlook, the Christian perspective on aging, you ask in your in your piece, is there is there a constructive Christian outlook on aging that can help us? And of course, the answer is yes. Can you describe what that looks like? Well, let me start with a perspective that was very helpful to me from a theologian uh, at Gordon-Conwell named Autumn Ridenour. Mm. And uh, first, let me start with the the idea of Sabbath in the Bible. We, we know that we're familiar with the idea of Sabbath, the weekly uh, time in which we are take, to take a step back from work um, and worship God and find rest for our souls in that. Um, after the pattern of our creator, creating and then resting on the seventh day. And Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the Bible, also has a, a concept of Sabbath rest that goes beyond that weekly cyclical uh, Sabbath rest. This, this Hebrews idea of a Sabbath rest is conveying to us a that ultimate eternal rest with our Lord. And it, this Sabbath rest is the the uh, the calling for which our whole lives are directed. Um, they are to be directed towards this Sabbath rest. God is calling us uh, to be in communion with Him for eternity as Christians, and that concept of Sabbath rest was one that um, Augustine explored. As the aging, as we age, we are approaching that Sabbath rest. And uh, Autumn Ridenour, in her book, um, Age, Sabbath Rest as Vocation, is taking up that vision of aging as a calling towards that entry towards our, in our, to, to our Sabbath rest. Aging as a calling, as a vocation that prepares us for entry into that Sabbath rest when all of the callings of our lives will be fulfilled in communion uh, eternally with God. That that captured my imagination mm -hmm. because I had been thinking um, in some earlier writing a lot about callings at the beginning of life. Um, as young people, we are uh, we, we have our lives pretty well set for us for the first 18 years. We we you know there's a mandatory school age. There's you you go to kindergarten, you go through eighth grade, you go to high school. Typically, we go to college. Then you, you get spit out into the work world, and, and a number of young people have trouble navigating. What, what's the next thing I'm supposed to be doing after they've had so much of their lives sort of pre-programmed through their school years? And I have found the idea of callings to be a very helpful one for um, assisting young people in discerning their steps as they get going in life. And, and I'm using the word callings there in the plural. We our first call as human beings is to glorify and enjoy God, to be living and pursuing, living life in pursuit of communion with God. And then we have these everyday callings through which we pursue that ultimate calling. And those are being 
being a student, um, being an employee, being a sister, being a daughter, being a neighbor, being a citizen, multiple callings uh, that are the ways that we pursue that first call uh, towards God. And so callings is a paradigm uh, that I think helps us at all stages of life, whether it is in our early years mm -hmm. as we're trying to discern our steps and figure out what we, where, how we want to use our gifts, or as we approach the end of life and uh, are prepared, as, as Autumn Reidenauer has put it, towards our Sabbath rest. And so aging, that period of aging is one in which we are preparing for that ultimate calling that supersedes all of the other ones that we will have in life. All of the other ones will come to an end, but this one calling will remain. So latter life, old age, it's not that most of life is behind us and we're just sort of waiting for the end. You're, as you're saying, there is a calling, there is purpose in uh, every stage of life if lived yes. uh, in relation to God. Exactly. In relation to God, in relation to others, in relation to ourselves and the rest of the world. And that is, so what is a calling? A calling is something that gives us purpose. It helps us make decisions. Callings have opportunities for action, times when we are going to have agency and make choices and decisions. Callings also have realities that we have to accept. Uh, a mother of a young child has a calling to get up in the middle of the night <laughs> and to have her sleep interrupted. Um, that's a reality she has to accept. <laughs> um, she has agency in some respects. She can help train that child to sleep longer and longer. But there are some realities we have to accept. And that's true for all times of life, including older age. There are, we, we often focus on the realities that we have to accept about that. Our bodies don't work the way we, they used to. Um, we have, you know, we're, we, we slow down in some respects, like uh, memory and, and eyesight don't work the way they used to in some, uh, in some cases. And so um, there are realities we have to accept, but that's not all. There are also actions we are called to undertake in this phase of life. And those actions are particularly in, in the context of relationships, relationship toward God, relationship towards others, um, relationship towards our own selves and our lives and the world around us. And particularly that case of relationship towards others, there is a, um, the, the context in which this really matters so much is uh, the hard-fought wisdom of a lifetime is one of uh, the great strengths of the that age has to share with youth. Um, there is a perspective gained from a lifetime that even the middle-aged don't have yet. And that is a wisdom that through the actions of uh, those in older age can be given to the next generations. Uh, we need that. And this is a perspective that matters, I think, for um, those in old age, but it also matters for the generations subsequent to them as well. We need to be preparing ourselves for this outlook, whether we're 20 or 50 or 70. Um, we need to have be prepared to think about 
aging in this way so that we can receive the wisdom uh, passed on to us as well. So as you're explaining uh, in, in using Autumn uh, Reidenauer's book as a reference point, aging is a calling, is a vocation, is a particular point in life that we have realities to accept. We have opportunities for action as well, as you've said. And it also sounds like what you're describing is aging is a stewardship, a stewardship of a lifetime of um, learning and of wisdom that can be that can be shared or should be. Yes, uh, that's an excellent word. I'm so glad you brought it up. Stewardship is an excellent word um, because there are the gleanings of a lifetime to be shared and passed on in the context of relationship. Um, that's tremendously important. You, you know, I, I also bring up the author uh, Carter Sneed. Carter Sneed is a law professor at Notre Dame University. And he talks about uh, the interdependence that is required by the fact that we are embodied creatures. We are physically embodied creatures. And the fact that we are embodied and, and bodies go through times of weakness should affect the character of our relationships. Um, this is always true. We can see it very easily at the beginning of life. Every single person who enters this world requires uh, and is utterly dependent on the help of another for for a good number of months and years even at mm -hmm. the beginning of life. Um, it's often true at the end of life as well. And, and in seasons of vulnerability and sickness throughout the course of life, we also see uh, embodied weakness and vulnerability uh, making us dependent on others. And that interdependence is something that uh, is critically important for us to appreciate, again, at all stages of life. Um, there will be ways that uh, we need to come alongside others and we need others to come alongside us. And that's getting at, at an aspect that both of these authors have raised of active and passive virtues. I think is a really helpful paradigm that um, that Carter Sneed and Autumn Ridenauer raised for us, mm -hmm. the idea of active and passive virtues. Active virtues are, are ones in which we are acting um, with compassion, with care, with service towards others. Um, and, and we've been habituated in those all our lives. Passive virtues are perhaps a little bit harder for mm -hmm. us. They are the virtues of receiving, of being patient and letting others care for us. And in a pretty individualistic, independent kind of culture, that's that runs a little contrary to to our custom. Uh, it's harder for us sometimes to receive than to give. Well, as you said I, in 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 your piece, um, uh, growing old is a calling. You point out that, uh, of course, as you just said, interdependence is so important in considering aging and aspects of it that are uh, important to make it uh, a purposeful part of our lives, and yet that is not, that that element of interdependence isn't emphasized in current public policy. Uh, and you, can you talk about that a little bit? It's, in fact, d very different values are Yes, this is, this is really important. Professor Sneed, uh, again, a law professor, has looked deeply at the issue of bioethics. And I, I, I heartily recommend his book, by the way, What It Means to Be Human. 
Because what he's trying to do there is to recover for laws regarding um, life and bioethics. Um, we would think about lo uh, laws regarding the beginning of life and the end of life. So uh, laws pertaining to abortion, assisted suicide. Um, he's arguing that our, our law with regard to bioethics has forgotten the body. Mm. It has instead emphasized individualism and autonomy and prized strength, but forgotten our embodied weakness and vulnerability. The realities that I was just discussing, the fact that we are we exist in bodies and those bodies inevitably, inescapably go through periods of weakness and vulnerability, always at the beginning of life, often at the end of life and not infrequently in between as well. Um, and because we are embodied creatures, we need to pursue uh, laws and policies that are take care for our embodied weakness and encourage those who are in positions of strength to care for those who are in positions of, of vulnerability. Um, there, this is uh, this is why we should be striving uh, for laws that protect unborn human life. Um, why we should be resisting the idea of assisted suicide that would um, define a premature end to life rather than caring for those who are suffering in, in their final days through um, serious weakness or illness. Um, what we have today is regrettably very contrary to that. And it is a, a, a bioethics, a set of laws and policies that are emphasizing independence, emphasizing autonomy, and uh, forgetful of encouraging these virtues that we need with respect to caring for one another and having the greatest compassion towards each other in our moments of weakness. And, and hence why you, you explain in your article, you've been explaining it here today as well, why it's so important to have a biblical perspective on aging to be able to address these kind of issues in, in culture. Absolutely. These questions that we see in public policy are uh, never divorced from our personal lived contextual experience and uh, connecting that, that, that the decisions we are making, our attitudes towards aging um, are going to have effect on these public policy questions. So when we talk about recovering a biblical perspective on aging, um, valuing every stage of life and seeing in older age the calling of passing on wisdom, um, modeling the uh, active and passive virtues, active virtues of compassion, passive virtues of patience and receiving care. Uh, we want to be um, gaining that perspective early in life so that it informs our own process of aging so that it informs our relations with our elders, and so it informs our perspectives on public policy questions. I think a biblical recovery of wisdom with respect to aging is important for all three of those areas. And I'm wondering, in your piece, uh, Jennifer, Growing Old is a Calling, the Personal and Cultural Significance of Recovering a Christian Perspective on Aging You, you talk about the importance of prioritizing and making commitments in light of an eternal perspective. Can you help us to understand what that means, how we can make uh, commitments or 
priorities in that in that light. Yeah, the the aspects of life um, that, as we think particularly about uh, the idea of uh, Sabbath rest, that is communion with God and and resting in His presence. Mm-hmm. The the things that endure are um, the love passing on the love that we have received in Christ through the relationships around us. And when we choose to uh, make commitments to one another, to love and to serve one another, to uh, be in relationships of uh, giving and receiving, uh, these are ones that glorify God and reflect the kinds of love and grace and giving that he has manifest to us in Jesus Christ. We prioritize our calling towards him when we reflect that in the choices that we make and the priorities that we have throughout the course of life. And then the importance of, uh, it's really from scripture, I think it's in the Psalms, where the psalmist asks uh, the Lord to teach us to number our days, to to see ourselves, uh, our finiteness in the light of God's infiniteness. And that's part of our as you explained, part of our calling uh, yeah. as a as an aging person, and uh, how we worship God by recognizing again the contrast between our numbered days and He who is eternal, um, and then uh, that the, that reflection in itself is worshipful and brings glory to God. Well, Jennifer, what encouragement would you want to leave our listeners with today as we as we conclude our discussion? And of course, they can read your piece, Growing Old as a Calling, at WNG.org. We are called to glorify God throughout our lives. And uh, as we age in our older, older days, um, we are called to um, continue to uh, pass on wisdom, to relate to God in a way uh, that anticipates that Sabbath rest. Um, it is a time of great giving, great receiving, and full of purpose and meaning. And that's a perspective that our culture needs to recover. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Jennifer Patterson, Director of the Institute of Theology and Public Life at Reformed Theological Seminary and Senior Fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. We've been discussing her world opinions piece, Growing Old as a Calling. You can read it at wng.org. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Ken Samples on why sin is actually a disordered love of things which are good in and of themselves. We don't stop being lovers and worshipers, Bill. Instead, we extend our love and our worship to temporal things rather than eternal things. And the challenge with that is we become unfulfilled and discontented because those temporal things were never intended to meet our spiritual needs. That's tomorrow at the same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.